Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where supermodifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside Groove, a super modified podcast brought to you by Indie Performance Composites. You can uh, check them out at uh, ipcindy.com or uh, just look them up on any of the big three socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and uh, see everything they've got going on. Welcome to the show. This is episode 60. My name is Tom Baker. For those of you who don't know, um, this show is going to be a rather full show in the sense that we've got a few different uh, voices and things going on here. First of all, uh, this is our Star Classic preview show, so with that in mind, we're going to hear from Camden Proud a little later. Camden's uh, going to help to preview the Star Classic and talk about uh, what's going on and who's going on um, in New England, both the big block supers and also the 350s. Plus, we're going to tell you about um, something really cool that... Um, one of our other sponsors, Skip's Fish Fry, has going on at Star that uh, if you're going up there, you can take advantage of. We'll uh, tell you about that during Cam's segment as well. Um, also, we are going to have Jim Paternoster as our featured guest. Jim, of course, for those of you who've been around the Swigo or the Speedway for a while, you know Jim. Jim um, had a very short driving career a much longer uh, career as a car owner, a car mechanic, a car sponsor. Uh, Jim has really given a lot to Oswego and Supermodified Racing. And, um, of course, again, as a car owner, he was also part of the limited Supermodified division. Uh, and so we're we're going to talk to Jim about another part of his uh, life that um, has been a hot topic lately in a lot of the super modified groups and on this show. Um, and that is the topic of restoring race cars. Jim has got several restored race cars, a lot of uh, stuff going on. And um, he of course has uh, three of Jimmy Champagne's cars and so, uh, and some other cars, we're going to talk to him about that. Now, um, I want to say up front, when we get to his interview, which is going to be in our next segment, um, I want all of you to understand that the interview basically is being joined in progress. Here's what happened. Um, started the interview the other day and didn't realize that, uh, a setting in my software had changed itself somehow. Um, and so the audio quality of Jim's part of the interview for the first uh, 12 or 13 minutes was just not usable. I tried real hard to save it. It just wasn't usable. I hate that. Um, we're going to get Jim back on again. My goal is when I can finally uh, get back to New York, 
um, when the governor uh, opens the state again to um, former residents and um, and lifts the quarantine crap. Uh, I'd like to get back there. And um, Jim and I have talked about I'm going to go visit him. And he's been gracious enough to um, approve that and um, get to check out some of the cars. And so we'll do a little bit more with Jim at that point in terms of the early part of his career and his sort of foray into ownership of the uh, limited supers. He had Den Wheeler drive for him and then um, added a second car for Dean Hogue. And um, I think Denny left and did his own thing. Um, and, uh, Kenny wheel, Kenny, not Kenny, Kenny Williamson and, uh, Andy Mackrath had some time, uh, in the Paternoster car as well. Um, and then eventually Jimmy decided he had gone to Indy one year to work with a small team at the 500 and just, uh, wanted to do some things with USAC. So where we're going to pick up the interview on this show is, and again, we did this the way that we do a lot of the other interviews. It was all in chronological order. So, you know, from beginning to end of the Oswego Speedway career, so to speak. So where we're picking up is post-limited super. And so he'll talk about the USAC car and um, his uh, adventures in USAC and his time there. And then we get into the... Uh, main topic, which is why I really wanted to have him on, um, which was, of course, the restored race cars. And uh, some really interesting stuff came out of that. And I think you'll all really enjoy hearing him talk about that. And especially uh, Larry Trinka and Steve Miller and those of you who are in the business, so to speak, of uh, restoring cars, or in the hobby, anyhow, we'll call it that. Uh, Hardly could be considered a business, I don't think. But uh, certainly uh, who are doing that sort of thing, I think will enjoy Jim's perspectives here. And uh, we'll find out how soon we can expect to see the Champagne rear-engine car on the track. That also is a part of the interview. So we'll, uh, we'll have Jim's interview again. It's about the last, I think it was about 30 minutes. Uh, this sort of second um, when, when we restarted and I had fixed everything on my side um, and we had good audio quality. I think we did about 30 minutes. So uh, we've got that and we're also going to have a look back at the 1990 Classic. Uh, we continue our Classic Rewind. Why? Because we can uh, <laughs> and because we didn't have a Classic this year. So I know we're all still jonesing. So uh, we'll have that as well. So we've got a lot coming up on this show. We are going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to hear from, and again, we're kind of joining this in progress, so don't don't be sort of, hey, what happened to the beginning? Um, we're, we're joining this interview in progress, and I'm bringing you the portion of it that, uh, that we could save. Uh, so when we come back, you'll hear from Jim Paternoster, and then we're going to hear from Camden, and then we'll get into uh, Classic Rewind, and also, of course, uh, talk about the number 60 as well. So a lot to come here on the Inside Groove. Hope you enjoy it. We will be right back to get it started. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. Beware of telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you. 
Call is threatening you with arrest or other legal action and demanding money are not from us. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Do not provide them with any form of payment or information. Report the call at oig.ssa.gov. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. What made you decide, of course, you'd you know, gone to India and whatever, what made you decide to go to the USAC Silver Crown cars next? Um, it was, you know, like I said previously, it was it was something that, as a kid growing up in Oswego, you saw Sammy Sessions go to USAC. You saw Gordy Johncock go to USAC, guys like that. And and that was always, you know, I knew I could make it as a driver. And, you know, something that I really wanted to do. Every Thursday you'd get speed sport news and you'd, you'd see, I'll, you know, this USAC race and that USAC race. And that was that was the place to be. Unlike, unlike now where it's, you know, it's really not as prestigious as it once was. Right. Um, back when I went, that's where all the guys were leaving USAC and going to NASCAR, Jeff Gordon, Ryan Newman, guys like that. They were all leaving USAC and they were making it to NASCAR, you know, and, um, that didn't really have much to do with, with my thinking. I just, that was my, next logical step um for me um i felt that's what i wanted to do and that's what we did we did that from uh 99 to i think i ran my last usac race in 2009 um we ran the regular cars the traditional car and i only had pavement stuff i only ran the pavement races we ran the traditional cars um, from 99 to 2005. And in 2006, uh, they started with what they called the new generation car, which was financed uh, in a big way from NASCAR, because at that point, NASCAR had all these tracks and they didn't have what they called inventory. And their meaning of inventory was, um, different types of cars, different classes of cars, more, more shows to put on, uh, more add on value for the, um, the ticket buyers, you know, so they came up with this program and, um, we, we got, we kind of got invited into that. Um, it's quite a process, long story, but yeah, we got invited into that and we started off in 2000, six with those cars and um my first driver in there was uh greg furlong um he brought along ferris industries for sponsor which um, was a real big help 
And um, he ran, um, I think, two races. And he just just wasn't his cup of tea. Um, just didn't, um, he wasn't comfortable there. And uh, so we moved on from there. And again, back to the USAC driver du jour thing, you know, different drivers all the time. And, um, but that, that gave a small team, a small town guy like me, those two years to run places that you would never dream of running. Um, we ran Nazareth, we ran Chicago, we ran Homestead, Kansas, Phoenix, you know, all wow. kinds of places like that, that we would, you know, a guy like from Oswego is never going to have the opportunity to do that, you know? Sure. So that was, that was great for me. That'll always be great bunch of memories. You know, a lot of people didn't like those cars. They didn't like the way it came about. Um, that wasn't for me to, to judge, right. um, but it was for me to make up my mind whether to be involved or whether not to be involved. And we were the um, house car for uh, Riley Technologies. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know that. And, yeah. And uh, I had an engineer that worked with me directly from Riley at all the races. I mean, it was it was a pretty big deal, really, you know. I mean, considering it sounds where we came from, you know. Sounds so, like first um, class everything. I mean, I know the cars were nice, but I didn't realize you were involved with Riley. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we had different drivers there. We started out with Greg for a couple races. We yep. had uh, – we were we were going to run uh, Jay Drake right after um, Greg. Jay, Jay wasn't available for uh, the first race or two, so we had um, uh, Cole Carter, who's Poncho Carter's son, Okay. Uh, Cole drove uh, the first race after Greg left, and I think we finished fourth or fifth in that race. Um, then Jay got in the car to go to Richmond, you know, the same Richmond that NASCAR runs at and IndyCar runs at. And uh, Jay got in the car. I think we qualified fifth or sixth and um, finished second and uh, just got just got beat. <laughs> Just got beat going into going into three on the last lap, but uh, up until then, that was my best <laughs> my my right. best USAC memory. You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah, and you, and you uh, I mean, when you think about it, looking back, like you said, that was a pretty big deal, and it must have been a a pretty amazing thing for you to be able to go do that and run those big speedways for a while and. And, uh, you know, and, and be a part of something as big as that was in that time, because that was when that new Silver Crown car came in. I mean, for a while, that was uh, I mean, it's still a big series, but it's not nearly as uh, I don't think it's nearly as prestigious now as it used to be as far as, you know, the glory or the, you know, how it gets kind of, you know, promoted and you right, know but right, it but right. back then that was a really big deal and i and yeah. that must have been a thrill for you to be able to do that for a while yeah that was that was kind of a dream you know and yeah um kind of just worked all the angles and you know made it happen um jay jay drove for me um uh, most of the rest of um 06 and he had a crash towards uh the end of 06 and had a another head injury um, came back a little bit from that, but 
Um, finally, he he works now for uh, Keith Coons. Okay, he does some management work for uh, Keith. We we stay in touch a little bit. Um, he was like, other than Dean, he was the second best driver I ever worked with. That guy was just he would. It was funny the way he was. He very quiet guy. Didn't didn't say hardly anything at all. Right. And he would he would search the racetrack and find where the car went. You know the best. We I could watch him. Me and Ron McMahon, who was the engineer from Riley, we could we would watch him go up the track, down the track, move here, move there. We talked to him on the radio. He didn't want to talk. You know. And uh, interesting. So he'd come in and we'd ask him questions and stuff. And he goes, well. He'd point. He goes a little tight down there and a little loose over there. He said, but it's okay. You know, so we'd <laughs> mess with it a little bit and he'd go back and he'd just run wherever he felt good. Um, Jay was really good. He gave me a lot of good rides one day at uh, Chicago. Um, that was the, they were 67 lap races on a mile and a half to get you 100 mile races. Okay. And we led. I don't know. We didn't lead right off the bat. It was it was four to go, three to go. He had a twelve second lead, and uh, the motor blew up. So, oh man! Um, even though we got second before, I consider that the closest uh, I ever got to winning. Sure. The race. Dang. Motors. Are so we had we had a bunch evil. of good drivers there too. We had uh, Levi Jones, who was um, USAC champion multiple times in sprint car and silver yes. crown. Uh, Levi drove for me uh, several times. Okay. PJ Jones, uh, son of Darnelli Jones, yep. drove for me a couple times. PJ is one of the most demanding drivers I ever worked with. Um, one day at IRP, we changed springs. I can't tell you how many times trying to get him comfortable. And we worked all the way around in a circle and came back with the same set of springs that we started with. And he said it was perfect. <laughs> I don't know how that could be, but, 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 uh, that was, that was a long day that day. I got to tell bet. you. Wow. Now, how does the guy get from all of this stuff that you've done prior to, I'm going to go and start restoring old supers. Because well, I mean it's it's kind of easy. Um, you can do that at your own pace. You don't have a schedule. I always loved the cars. Yeah. Um, I I would tell anybody that would listen. I never really enjoyed going to the racetrack, but I loved working on the cars. I always said if I could watch the truck and trailer pull up out of the driveway at the garage here and go to the races without me, I would probably be as happy as if I, or happier than if I went. I never really, I was always tense and nervous and kind of got me a bad reputation is hard to get along with because I was pretty intense. Right. But, um, um, when you, uh, when you got something like that, you can keep your hand in, you can use your knowledge, you can use your equipment, but you can do it at your own pace and you could, um, be rewarded in the end for, you know, bringing something back to life. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And there seems to be this great demand and this great reverence over the last several years for that now, too. And it seems to be growing. And I, you know, I've been told that this show is kind of helping to motivate that process 
and I'm not sorry uh, because I just no, love no, seeing great. all these cars. Um, what was the first car? Because I, I know you had the, the Champagne Wedge is the first one I knew about, but somebody told me not long ago that was it what car? There was an older car. Was it a Ralph Denson car or who? Yeah. Yeah, I've got, um, oh, let's see. Probably, I don't, you'd have to check the dates, but I'm going to shoot from the hip here. Somewhere around. 65, 66, the, the car count from Michigan started to go down. And Harry wanted to, Harry Crusoe wanted to keep the, keep the supers going, keep them alive, try to draw more local guys into it, draw them away from the, the coops and right. stuff like that and get them into super. So right. him and Willie Hackett came up with a plan to start building chassis at Northern Steel. Okay. They got some of the dimensions from one of the um, 85 cars that Gordy Johncock used to run. And they built, I got it written down somewhere. I think they built three or four cars. Um, one of them Ralph had, one of them Dick Bloom had that was uh, 113. Um, I think there was one other one, um, not sure. But I wound up with the one that Ralph had because I was working on um, – the time I was working on the Lala Chevy 66 and I needed an injection for that. Oh, and through the grapevine, I heard that Ralph had the old couple old Hillborn injectors. So I tracked him down at a bar in Texas, New York one night. That's where he seemed to spend a lot of time. And <laughs> I walked in and he knew who I was. And, you know, he had, uh, he'd known my father, my father was in the bar business and he had, you know, been to my father's place and stuff like that. And uh, so we get talking. He goes, I ain't going to sell you the injection. I'll sell you the whole guy, darn thing. I said, <laughs> okay. All right. What do you got? Let's go. So we go over to his house and underneath this fallen down lean to kind of thing was the old 67. Now, this is the yellow one, not the right. purple one. The right. purple one was, you know, destroyed totally. beyond all recognition. Totally. Yes. You know? Several times. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so he had two injections. He had a mag. And he had the complete car. He had a whole bunch of the old two-piece safety racing mag wheels. And I bought everything he had for what I was willing to give him for one injection. Wow. So that was a hell of a deal. I guess. And um, that sat out behind Racemaster for a little while until I got around to doing it. But that was basically really easy to do. It was um, take it apart, sandblast it you know, redo stuff, did not have a motor in it. So we put a motor together for it. Um, and that, that was real simple to do. I still have that car. That's awesome. Now what you had, you, you said you had the wall of Chevy too. That would have been the yeah. car before. Cause the last, okay. The lawless car, which car I remember red Barnhart was that he was, that was his car that he drove right before. Yeah. And then it went, um, it went, somewhere to somebody in uh new hampshire had it okay after that it wait, made its way there and then i heard about it and got the history of it and stuff like that and i got that one and i i worked on that for a while and then uh i actually sold that to skip matzik because at one point he had that car after um barnhart had it oh and yeah skip ran it with um coca-cola special or something carl carl burkvist burkvist i think the kid's name was okay and then it 
then I don't know what happened to it after that. And then I wound up with it and then Skip bought it back from me. Interesting. And then it went to, from Skip to Freddie Gormley. And the last I knew Freddie passed away a year or so ago. Last I knew it was in, uh, in storage in Indy somewhere. Tom Bliss would be the guy to ask about that. Oh, okay. All right. So you had that one. Now, um, what other, cause again, I remember first you doing Jimmy's wedge, um, was, was there anything that we, is, is, were there cars in the gap there between the lawless car and Jimmy's car? Mm, um, I did some stuff for other people and things like that. And okay. I always, um, help different people build stuff, um, you know, build wings or build bodies or, you know, oil tanks, anything like that. And I, I was involved with a lot of people. Most of it was like, you know, I didn't go to the track much, so it didn't get really noticed right um i always kept my hand in and uh i did the wedge car and shortly after in 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 all this time i'm growing my business too you know so there was you know there was a lot of time spent doing that um you know that i couldn't a full-time race car right you know right so that filled the gap doing that so I did the wedge car. We got that out of uh, that Lauk's guy's backyard. Oh. It was a bare frame. Oh. And uh, Steve Miller had a bunch of the running gear out of it. Okay. So I got some of the running gear from Steve. And um, what we didn't have, I built, you know. Man, I just remember seeing that when it came out. And, I mean, I was... Um, I'm sure you know because you've listened to the show enough, and and probably know even from back in the day. Uh, Jimmy was my hero, and um, that car, just being able to see that car going around the track with Jack Murphy in it was just so much joy. And you did such a great job on it. And then I remember reading um, the article about how you found the the rear engine car. <laughs> and oh my god jim i honestly reading that article and there was a picture there of you in the field with it you know the way that it was just sitting there and i wanted honestly that picture made me want to throw up literally yeah. it made me nauseous i can only imagine yeah. what you were thinking about yeah. when you, you should you should have been there <laughs> i i wouldn't have wanted to honestly i'd have cried you know it's like how you know of course the guy you know you think these people don't know but it's just like my goodness how do you do that to a race car like that oh god so what was well, that's the... that's a story right right in itself dick Berger, sure and every once in a while would write a little bit yep he'd throw a line in somewhere that you know i was looking for it if anybody knew where it was you know this and that so some a guy by the name of Marty Montgomery got a hold of Dick through the magazine. Okay. And he goes, I got that car. And he goes, well, what do you mean you got that car? You know? So then he went through this whole thing about, you know, the uh, Dan Kinney and he had PTSD and he wrecked the car and he owed this Montgomery money and it was out behind the barn and, you know, all this, you know, drama, you know? So, um, I uh, asked the guy, I caught the guy on the phone. I asked him some pertinent questions that it had to be that car. Right. You know? Right. And so I said, you know, we kind of made a kind of a deal um, over the phone pending what I saw. Right. So um, got in a plane, 
flew to Napa, rented a car, went, looked at the car, trees growing. We had to take a chainsaw and cut the trees out of it because oh. it had sat there. They had oh. eucalyptus trees growing up through it. Damn. It was in the back of a barn outside behind a barn uh, at a grape vineyard. And uh, so we got it out of there. I put it on a rollback and brought it to, I think it was Oakland somewhere. And I had a uh, car hauler on standby in case this thing worked out logistically. Right. It was, it was quite a, quite a thing to do. I bet. So I had this car hauler guy, you know, the, a coast to coast guy. And um, we winched it and pulled it and pushed it and put it on the top front of this guy's car hauler. It was one like they used to deliver new cars. Right. So I was going to be the it's first one on, last one off, you know. So it was probably three, four weeks before um, he brought it back to New York. And there's some pictures in that one article that uh, Ron Caravan wrote for the Valley News. There's pictures of it up on top of the car hauler and there's pictures of it in the weeds and stuff like that yeah but that was that's quite a story in itself just getting it home i bet yeah golly um so obviously like any other restore you know you want to be as accurate as you can right and i know you're all about that and so (laughs) you know as as we've seen like with kempton dates and steve miller and everything accuracy matters and larry trinka's got a couple of the joya cars which i know that that the the 75 car that larry's got now i know you had for a bit um and um and so you know you guys all want to be accurate how is the rear engine car coming along and well i get i'll get rolling on it you know every once in a while and then i'll get dragged off when somebody waves money in front of my face to go do something else sure. for them um so um right now i've got uh i've got that and i've got another uh project uh super modified project that i'm doing right now but we'll we'll uh we'll bring that out in the in the spring that's uh the other it's a, project uh, or the rear engine big car? project okay but so, then after i get uh after i get that done i i uh i'll go back on the rear engine car i always did say the rear engine car was going to be a retirement project and that's coming pretty quick too so is that uh is that a bit more of a project than than some of the other ones in in, in terms of you know the restore of it um Finding some of the things that were missing has been a problem, but I pretty much, um, pretty much have everything right now. I was uh, missing some the right, uh, the correct uh, front hubs, and um, Dwayne Gerhardt, a guy I know from California that I met with Davey Hamilton years ago when they had the California car here. He got me a set of hubs in California that he knew where they were, um, rear brake calipers. Um, one was good. One was correct. And one was not. And I just, uh, um, but three, four months ago, found a pair of them on eBay. Oh, wow. Um, but everything, uh, everything else is, was the car was so unique that, there wasn't much that you could remove from it to use on anything else. Okay. Um, so, I mean, the original steering wheel was there and the big red 
kill switch button was there and the fuel tank, all the body was wrong. Um, it had uh, added a halo on the top of the cage, yeah. um, you know, stuff like that. So we have to recreate all the body. The drive line's pretty good. Um, it, it, once I get started on it, you know, I'll do, I'll work on it for a couple of months in the winter and then I get sidetracked onto another project, right. you know? So eventually, eventually I'll get her done. But I, but you, the nice thing is everybody, well, I know, and everybody knows where it is. Yes. They know it's safe. They know it's, it's not going anywhere. Um, and eventually it'll get done and it'll be done very well. I hope. Oh, I'm sure it will, but you, you must realize, Jim, you've known me a long time. I'm like a kid with a can, kid in the candy store with this stuff. Um, is there any possibility that we could see that car uh, for the 2021 Classic? No, well, I don't think so. So maybe 22. <laughs> maybe. Um, <laughs> well, you know, like like I said before, you know, somebody walks in the door and, and they want something done and they're willing to pay you know, what I asked, right. and that's what finances the other cars. Sure, of course. You yeah, know, uh, there's no money tree out in back that I go pick right. from. Right, You know, so if I do this work for other people, that's what finances the other projects, and I still have to go to work every day and work all day and sometimes at night and Saturdays and sometimes Sundays. So um, my time is kind of limited as to how much I could spend, in the past couple of years, it's getting harder and harder to stay down there until 10 o'clock at night, you know? Yeah, your, I hear you. Your body wants to quit, you know? I hear you, for sure. Um, so you you have that, and you you have Jimmy's Sprint car. Are there other yes. cars that you have that, that maybe we haven't talked about or people don't know about? Oh, um, I got a 1947 Curtis Craft Offenhauser Midget oh that my. I restored. Um, that was a, a basket case. Came from a guy named Spike Gillespie in Pennsylvania. That was a basket case. Now that's, I would say that's, uh, you know, a 90, 90 out of a hundred point midget. That thing is is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Wow. Um, I've got one of the original. IROC series Camaros from 1974. I love it. Um, I have one of the nine, number nine Steve Lewis midgets that was driven by Tony Stewart. Oh, wow. In original, original Steve Lewis paint, you know, never been, never been restored by anybody. Unrestored, we'll call it. Right. Okay. And signed, you know, signed for authenticity by Tony. Um, got the Denson car. Um, the most expensive thing I have is I have a one of 1923, 1970 Plymouth Superbirds. We won uh, won the Mopar Nationals a um, wow. couple of times with that. That one's done. That one's done pretty well. Um, I don't know what it's worth. I guess just like any of them, they're only worth what somebody's willing, willing to, pay. to pay. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not like you got a book you can look them up in or anything. You know, I got. I got you. a few other ones besides that too. Wow. Now, uh, if I if I pop into town at some point, if the if if uh, the guy in charge up there in New York decides to 
open the state to uh, visitors and tourists again. Um, I'm I'm um, I'm pretty for you, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Um, cool. I'm I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty guarded as to who comes in and out. I'm, Makes sense. I'm you want to? I'm um, sometimes I'm a little. Um, little shy, which is unusual, but, um, (laughs) you you know, and I just don't feel real comfortable with a lot of people in and out and stuff like that. And, you know, you got to mess with the alarms and all that stuff. So, you know, but, um, yeah, anytime you come to town, you're more than welcome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I used to have people come to my house and knock on the door, Oh, you know, and, you know, Okay, so I those of you listening, don't go to Jim's house and knock on the door. Yeah, okay? don't. Yeah, because the reception wouldn't be pleasant. He's, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's he is as big of a he's armed bad guy as most people say uh, he is. So yeah, he's armed and dangerous. Um, okay, but but uh, you you allow me to have a tour? Would you allow me to take some pictures of some of these cars that I can share, or are you not wanting to have photos out there? Well, you know, part of it's a personality defect too so we'll just we'll just go we'll just go with that but uh i enjoy working on the stuff the uh everybody will see the project that i'm working on right now next year but it's not mine and i'm not um at liberty to talk about it is a is it a restore it's a it's a super um it's a super you know, but I mean, is this we'll, a we'll bring it out next year. The guys, the guys that own it are, they'll, they're going to make a big deal out of it when, when we get it done. Okay. So, but is this a restore or is this a, like a race car that's going to be raced? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're a hard marker, Jim. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right, Tom. Yeah, it is that. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess we'll <laughs> here's the deal with that. I'm sure if you're involved with it, whatever it is, it's going to be spectacular because you do spectacular work. And, um, you know, I really just would look forward to coming out, especially seeing Jimmy's cars. I mean, I I could stare at those cars all day. Um, you know, you can ask Larry Trinka. When I went to, to his house a couple of months back, he had, of course, the well, he's got both cars there. but. Um, the old I had that. The one he's working on yeah. now, I had that one too. I brought yeah. that bought that from somebody in Canada or something. And I had that one for a while and you know, I just uh my motivation wasn't there and and we passed that one along. Yeah, I mean that one I, I just sort of looked at it and, and Larry said it's funny because you just got this look on your face like that I could tell that you were just, you know, overjoyed to and it's like you don't understand i look at that car and it's like an instant time machine those cars are time machines right yeah it's like i'm staring at the car but my my brain is replaying all these moments of seeing the car you know it's like it's like going back in time and it's really been amazing to me and even you know i've had a lot of conversations with larry and 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 other people um, who do this stuff, Steve Miller, um, you know, and, and it's amazing the interest over the last few years in restoring these cars, and especially with Jimmy's cars, to think that there are actually about six of his cars that are, you know, I mean, once you get the rear engine done, will be completely restored and, and back to, you know, more or less original uh, conditions, so to speak, 
right? I mean, that's pretty incredible that somebody who revolutionized the class twice and, and is considered one of the all-time greats, and and most all of his cars, in fact, I think all of his cars, from um, the, the, the one that Dave Hollinger has, which was the 67, 68 car um, with the top on it, all the way through the 89, which I think uh, Martells have, I think. Martells are yeah. doing that one, um, yeah, what I understand. I mean, and you've, you've got the wedge, and then Jamie's got the offset, and you've got the, the rear engine car and the, and the sprint car, so the only thing that lacks there is his modifieds. Um, you know, but as far as the Supers go, almost every one of them, I think, are, are – that's pretty incredible when you think about <laughs> it, you know? Um, well, it just it, it. I mean, it shows how much people are still interested in the man yes. and what the man did. Yes. Um, as a driver, as an innovator, uh, as an engineer, um, you know, it, it. It. You know, when when did he get killed? Eighty. Eighty two. September fourth, nineteen eighty two. Eighty two. Yep. And for, in in those cars are are still revered today. Yep. You know what I mean. Yep. Um, that's a, a testament to the man. You it know, really right is. There. Yeah, it really is. Well, um, we, we talked earlier about the uh, parts and stuff on the rear engine car, and uh, it had just terrible shocks on it when I got it. It had right. old career shocks on it and originally had um, real coney like formula car shocks on it okay were adjustable and for the time for 1979 i mean nobody had adjustable shocks you know what i mean right he did and um i didn't know that i know where the original shocks are but they're not available i was able to locate four shocks for that car from a formula car website deal and i actually got them from a guy in italy no and kidding. had them shipped over. Wow. Because I could not find, other than the original set, where I know where they are today, but they're not to be purchased. And uh, I managed to get a set with the correct part numbers, which um, Doug Holmes helped me with the part numbers because they were the same ones that were on Jamie's car. And Doug Holmes did most of the work on the restoration yep. of that car. Yep. And uh, he helped me with part numbers for that, and I was able to track them down. Um, you know, again, on the internet and back and forth and, you know, changing lira for dollars and all that kind of stuff, you know, euros or whatever it was. Yeah. It's amazing. It must be really challenging even to find the parts. I mean, I know, you know, Larry's told me some stories, but, you know, just the sort of the hunt, it's like a treasure hunt in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's part of the, for me anyway, it's part of the, um, excitement maybe yeah, I, I don't know I just searching the stuff out and yeah, finding it and who's got it and what's the best deal and you know a lot of times there's no best deal you got to buy it you see it right you know what i mean um if you need it you got to buy it if the guy wants twice as much as what it's worth and and you need it and there's not another one to buy you you better pay twice as much and get it you know i get you yeah. um, you don't have a lot of choice yeah so um yeah some of that stuff is is pretty in- intriguing you know um finding the stuff and getting it and all that yeah yeah it's been fun well it definitely is going to be a joy for all of us to see the rear engine when it's done and uh 
I promise I won't nag you, but uh, <laughs> but man, I just look forward to it because you know uh, we'll get her done. That was we'll the get, ultimate we'll creation. I mean, I, there's there's probably not two days in a row that somebody doesn't message me, call me, stop by the shop, Facebook message something, and ask about that car. Oh, that really? car draws more attention for yep. some reason than than anything I've ever seen. Um, people just, for a car that ran less than one season, yeah. when you stop and yep. think about it, yep. you know, his other cars ran for years and years and years, yep. you know, but that car ran less than one season. But, I mean, it. You know, it, there was so much, so much character, so much history. The banning of it, the conium in the classic, yep. the Jim breaking his foot. The, you know, there's so much that surrounds that car. I guess that's what yeah. makes it so interesting. Well, to people. also just the car itself. I mean, to me, it was the ultimate badass super modified. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, when you cool. when you look at the it's picture, cool. you know, look at it in the in the profile, especially the way it was, you know, for classic with Warren in it. Um, you just look at the shape of it and look at it's low and lean and it's just it it looks mean. It it it, it just uh and and I think it's it's just such a unique piece that um you know, everybody wants to, and like I said, I mean, you know, there's, um, I would love nothing better, and, and I probably had um, at least a small part in instigating this, but um, I would like nothing better than to see, you know, in a classic, um, you know, every year at classic, these cars should should come out and and people could see them or every year you know pick a race old timers whatever but to have people be able to see those cars because um you know there's so much interest in it and there's and i think it's great for the younger drivers and fans too to be able to look at those cars and appreciate the workmanship and 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 you know the history of super modified racing i think it's a motivating thing for people to okay yeah we need to work to keep this division going you know otherwise it's it's just gonna die and um so i would love to see uh, as much as we have an old timers reunion for drivers i would love to see you know um once a year we have this sort of classic car show of a lot of the old super modifieds and and um you know get everybody to to bring the cars out and let fans take a look at them yeah, that'd be that. That'd be something to think about. There's been a a post on Facebook here the past week about, um, you know, somebody wanting to get something like that going. I guess yeah. they had one of Steve Miller's cars at uh, Friday week. night yeah. practice last week, and you know, Kemp Gates is coming out with that one of his for yep. next year, his last car, I guess it is. And you know, there's a bunch of them around. If you, you like, you said, you know, before there's a, a groundswell. There's a lot of um, interest right now. Yeah. And, uh, yep. you know, I think I, it would be fun. To I, I love, I love the cars, you yep. know, I love the cars. I, I, I totally respect champagne and, and all that, but you know, the cars are the big attraction. Of course. Yeah. Well, and you know, it would be, yeah, it would, it would be fun for sure. Kemp's car is actually a 77 track championship car that he's restoring. It's not yeah. the last one. Yeah. yeah. It's the that's that's quite a piece of work. Boy. Yeah. I want to tell you, there's some yep. stuff in there that would never fly today. Yep. You know, some well, of the shoulder supports and the seat belts and the seat and stuff like that would, it, I'm amazed that, uh, 
old Bill Caruso when he used to do the safety inspections years ago, and I'm I'm amazed that he let that one slip by, probably because his his him and his brother's company built it. But there's some some things there that weren't the safest I ever saw. Well, you know, again, if you go back, and I was I remember Warren Conium and I talking about this when he had. When 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 I had him on my show, he was talking about you know the old Rutledge rocket and you know and cars that used to have fifty five gallon drums on the back for fuel for classic or whatever. It's yeah. just like you know, of course the safety has come you know miles and you know and and to where it is today. And but you're right. I mean, some of those cars back you know even in the seventies were still you know relatively crude machines and um you know you. The, those those drivers were drivers you know they were they were brave souls driving those cars back then not to say you know it it doesn't take something special to race today but you know like i said you you're right some of the safety stuff back then you look at it and you just go wow thank god we moved past <laughs> that right um, you, you talk about that 55 gallon drum thing i remember late 60s i was walking up albany street going to the going to classic and there was a car on a trailer it was howie scannell from canada, canada. yeah and they had a 55 gallon drum standing up you know where yeah. the tail section would be yeah. standing up and that was his fuel tank for classic yeah so i'm saying i mean you know and warren and i talked about that he's he's like man you know to think we used to drive those things you know <laughs> but yeah it, yeah it's... well i'll tell you one thing though Warren is a great friend of mine, but when I get that car done, it won't have a six on it. It'll have an eight on it. <laughs> well, we, 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 we'll all be thankful for that, and I'm sure Warren would want nothing else. <laughs> Maybe honestly. like a little stick-on part, you know, to peel on and peel off or something, but yeah. it'll definitely be an eight. You well, know. that's, I mean, that's what it was after all. But, uh, yeah, that was my dream team because I was a Warren fan too. And, and man, I remember – when when it was that I can still remember, and this is this is no joke. I can remember laying in bed and in, in in the I I always used to watch the news, and then Johnny Carson would come out. I'd fall asleep to Johnny, and 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 so I was laying in bed, and I remember Jack Morse, and I remember this so well that I can tell you he was wearing a tan colored suit, and he announced on the on his sports cast. Um, on Channel 5, at the end of the sportscast, the last nugget he, he said was, uh, and finally, Jim Champagne will drive his front-engine supermodified in this weekend's Budweiser International Classic at the Oswego Speedway. Canadian Warren Conium will be in the rear-engine car. Yeah. And I bolted out of bed, went downstairs, yeah. and I was like, did you just? And my dad was kind of like, yeah, we heard it. Go back to bed. You know, it's just yeah. like, you, were, you didn't dream that. It was real. No, yeah. it was. And it still burned yeah. in my brain, um, you know, and, and oh, what what might have been. But, uh, yeah, fun stuff. Well, um, man, it's been fun to take take the time and, and get to know more um intricately what you got going on and and uh you know what you've been doing and and i can i'll speak only for myself but i know that everybody listening to this show would agree with this when we say thank you jim because uh, not only obviously is it you know is there a, a great cost in restoring these cars but just the time and effort and and um you know the care that has to be taken to make these cars look the right way when when you know when they're done and and uh 
I've always appreciated that so much about you, and and uh, can't. That's why I can't wait to see the rear engine because I know when it's done, you'll have it right. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be you good. Know, we, so. you know, like I said, I've been gathering all the pieces and stuff. I was going, I was going pretty good on it. Um, oh, summer of seventeen, I was going pretty good, and then I got a visit from uh, Johnny Nicotra, who's a good friend of mine. Right. With yep. Dave Schulich. And they made me an offer I couldn't refuse for 18. And uh, so I ran Johnny's car with Dave out of my shop for uh, 18, for 2018. And we had a pretty good year. That guy's a hell of a driver. Sure is. Um, We we had a real good year. Won four features, finished second in points, had fastest time of the year. Uh, Outside pole for Classic. Classic was a little disappointing to me, but... Um, but, uh, overall that was, and, and if I never race again, you know, yeah. with a normal car, it's a hell of a way to go out the door. You I know? agree. Yep. Yep. For sure. So, so I, I was very thankful, um, for both of them to, uh, invite me along for that ride. Well, it, uh, he was certainly fun to watch that year for sure. Uh, and uh, you know, definitely look forward to. Uh, hopefully, at some point, we can uh, can all get together with the cars and enjoy them for a day or whatever. But uh, I will look forward as soon as I know when I'm coming up again. Um, then uh, you know, we'll we'll get in touch and uh, look forward to stopping by. Yeah, we, um, you know, so. um, anytime you're up this way, you I, know, we'll we'll make some time. I appreciate it, Jim. Thanks a bunch, and thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate that, and uh, look forward to seeing what uh, the future brings and what the the, the secret, super secret project uh, turns out to be. In <laughs> it's the not that big of a secret, but it's just not It's not up to me to let the cat out of the bag. You know? Well, we'll look forward to uh, seeing it, whatever it is, and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, maybe over the holidays, hopefully by then, um, you know, the, the state's a little more friendly to uh, former residents. And, uh, right. you know, I could come up and, and see family again. And, uh, and and that, you know, I usually spend a couple weeks up there, so that'd be a good time to, to get together. But um, look forward to it whenever it happens. Jim, and again, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it very much. Thank very you for much. having me, Tom. I appreciate it. That is Jim, we'll see pa- that is Jim Paternoster, and uh, we'll be back with more of the Inside Groove after this. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. You've seen the paintings, the Thanksgiving turkey being served at grandma's, the weathered farmer sending his baby-faced son off to college, Now be sure and write. the wise police officer sitting at the soda bar talking a young boy out of running away from home. Where are you going, son? Norman Rockwell didn't create the best in us. He just inspired the best. Inspiration. Pass it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with this week's episode. And uh, we've got Camden Proud with us now. Uh, Camden, of course, the Oswego Speedway PR 
director and also uh, the 2019 Supermodified Rookie of the Year. Um, Camden, you're uh, actually getting ready to head to Star or Sta, as uh, we all like to pronounce it, in the morning uh, for the Sta Classic. Uh, and honestly, this has become something pretty exciting as far as I'm concerned because um seems like we've got a pretty healthy field of cars headed there. Possibly, um, what, 26, 28 cars? Talk a little bit about uh, the total total overall field and, and who is... Who do we know at this point is going there from Oswego? Right, yeah, it's looking like a, a really good field. I'm pleasantly surprised with it, actually. Me too. Uh, the circumstances, and uh, uh, looking like about 27 cars and some great support from Oswego, four teams from the Midwest, and uh, a lot of former champions and a good stout you know, mix of drivers from New England as well, a lot of veteran drivers and some rookies, some newcomers. So uh, it's looking like a really good mix of people. So let's uh, let's focus for a moment on on the cars from Oswego. Who do we 100% know is headed that way for the big block portion? And then I I do want to talk about the 350s uh, eventually as well. Yeah, uh, for, from Oswego, they're going to have uh, really really good support. I know that uh, Eric Iosu is actually already out there testing today. So oh, nice. Um, he's up making a second wing start this year. And uh, Danny Connors, Brandon Bellinger, Jeff Abel, last year's champion, is going. Uh, Otto Sitterly is going, and also Allison Slode, which was a pretty big surprise. And uh, Dave Danzer as well. So I'm I'm really glad that they got a good showing from Oswego. Yeah, I am too. It's interesting some of the folks who are not going. Um, and I, I, I don't want to focus on this to be negative. It's just interesting to me that uh, – I'm not hearing, for example, Joe Gozik, who I would have thought maybe would have made the trip out, but he's probably, you know, tied up with work, I would suppose. Um, right. Yeah. Mike, Mike Muldoon. Um, you know, there's there's probably three or four that I might have expected would be going that are not going, or at least we don't know that they're going. And, of course, uh, we now have Tyler Thompson on the injury list. Uh, so he is not going, um, and we certainly hope Tyler heals up quickly from his uh, dirt bike accident that he had. Um, but yet, as you say, Allison slowed a bit of a surprise, but a nice surprise to have uh, her going out to run. Um, and, uh, you know, we got, what, seven or eight there. That's a pretty uh, pretty good size uh, field from Oswego to be going out there. It is, yeah, seven cars from Oswego, and um, you know, it, right now we'll we'll take that twenty-seven cars. It's really yeah. good, like you said. I think yep. really there there is a potential for thirty-five to forty cars there for this race, and uh, you know, Gozik has uh, work at the outage. I think Mike Muldoon's got a lot of work stuff going on. He yeah. also just got engaged. Tim Snyder got called into work, so there's a lot oh, of guys okay. that, that wanted to go out and and, and couldn't because of work or, or other silly circumstances. But uh, I'm really happy with it, honestly. I, it's going to be a great show, uh, great field, and, and with Star, I, I think Abel has, has obviously been the most consistent guy the last few years, and oh yeah, and would probably be my pick. But you don't really know who's who's going to win there. It's it's anybody's race, really. So I'm looking forward to it. Who's coming from Ohio? Well, Timmy Jedrzejczyk's driving the the 97, so Jeff Battle's not driving this weekend. It's going to be Russ and Timmy. Oh, that's too bad. Um, yeah, I kind of, I I mean, I'm happy that Timmy's running, but, but, you know, just hate seeing Jeff not in the show. Right. Yeah. 
Um, and Mike McVett is coming. He was testing at Lorraine the other day. Um, Kyle Edwards is coming out, and they've had a horrible year with that new car blowing the engine yeah, twice. Gosh. So yeah, hopefully that goes better for them. And uh, Rich Reed too. So uh, and oh yeah, and then AJ Lasecki. Can't forget him. They have their brand new car, and that's the first time it'll kind of venture out of Ohio. So it'll be interesting to see how they do with that. Yeah, that will be interesting actually. And um, and then uh, who have we got from the Isma side that we know is running? Isma's, uh, you know, Isma's car count is is looking pretty good as far as, and I would say, you know, we group all the New England cars kind of with Isma at this point. It, right. Isma, you know, they have so many franchise teams, but it's nice to see, like I said, kind of a different mix of teams coming out from New England that we don't normally see. Like Kenny White is a new guy. He's ran the 350s a while. He's coming out. Okay. Dave Dugan, we haven't seen in a couple of years, and he's coming out too. Um, so, you know, I'm really happy with, with that. It's a couple of different, you know, low-dollar teams that you don't necessarily always see on ISMA. And, uh, you know, of course, all the heavy hitters as well. Russ Wood and Chris Purley, the former champions. John McKennedy with his redone car, another former champion. Yep. Uh, ben Seitz, Ryan Locke, Jamie Timmons, uh, Bobby Chartier, Bobby Timmons, Mike Nettishin. Uh, there's, it's, it's, it's looking pretty good, really. I'm, I'm happy with the, with the sport we have from New England. Are we going to see um, Ordway Jr. in the booth car there? Yeah, Ordway Jr. will be there as okay, well. Good. And uh, Eric Emhoff, I know, is going. Joey Payne is going. Danny Bros is going. So um, it's, it's a really good group of cars. Yeah, it sounds it. I mean, it's a, like you said, it's a nice mix and a different sort of mix of cars. And the interesting thing is that, again, as you say, um, really, the potential was there for, I mean, you think about there's four or five from Canada that can't run uh, mm-hmm. that, that likely would have obviously been involved with, with that race. And you've got, uh, you know, a few from Oswego that, um, gosh, this could have easily been 35 to 40 cars, which would have been, um, you know, a real, real uh, blessing for Star Speedway at this point for that race, but even with what we've got, it's it should be a competitive race for sure. What's the what's the? Uh, I always hate to bring this up, even, but what's the weather forecast looking like? Uh really good. No chance of rain or anything. Oh, good. Like That's sunny all weekend, but kind of cold. I think the high is sixty-two tomorrow, so it's going to be a cold night. Yeah, who cares? Bring a jacket. <laughs> you know, it's like at this point, you know, it actually yeah. even down here in 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 my part of the the world here, uh, you know, we've had we're we're gonna have highs in the sixties all weekend. So uh, I'm gonna uh, probably venture out to Hickory Motor Speedway tomorrow night, and uh, you know, it, it, a, a hooded sweatshirt and a light jacket is uh, perfectly fine with me as long as we can still go racing. At this point, it is fall after all. Yep. So yeah, you know, I dig the fall racing weather. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, as long as you don't get it, it's when you, uh, gosh, I was, in fact, it was funny. I was going through the old program the other day, and um, what race was it? I think it was, I think it was 75, the, the la- one of the last races, one of the October races, um, and, and it, it brought me back to um, that night. I mean, I remember the heaters being on. Um, I think I had two or three, you know, sweatshirts and a jacket. And I mean, my father was drinking hot chocolate. I mean, it, I just remember how cold it was that night. And there have been a few, more than a few, actually, nights like that late in the season at Oswego. But um, there's, you know, I have kind of a limit now. But it's like there's a, if it falls much below 50 at, at night at a racetrack, I start to lose. 
always uh, a little bit of interest, but um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but as long as we can, you know, get away with uh, a sweatshirt and a jacket, we're good. Uh, but it sounds like that's going to be, you know, perfect racing weather for sure. Uh, and you know, colder weather often is good for speed. So who knows? Maybe we see a track record fall. That would be great. Uh, Jeff Abel was close last year down yeah. to the ten nines. Records a ten seven. I think it was set twenty one years ago. So. Uh, <laughs> that would be fantastic to see. And there's a, a couple bonuses going out there for um, time trials and also a track record. I know that uh, $250 is going to any competitor who breaks a star speedway track record from ISMA and also Ooh. a $200 ISMA fast time trial bonus from radical race gear. So uh, time trials are going to be big this weekend. There's no heat races and the top 12 and time trials redraw for the feature. So uh, definitely very important to get a good time. For sure, yeah. That's uh, that that, and like I said, the weather should be conducive to it. That's that's good. It sounds like this should be a a fun weekend. I know we have no uh, Fast Friday um, this evening as we record this. Um, but uh, what? Uh, oh, wait! Before we even go there, uh, let me back up a second. The three fifty is also running at yes. Star Speedway this weekend, and several of our guys are going out for that. Talk about that, and then I want to talk about what Skip's Fish Fry is doing. Yeah, uh, the, the the Swiggo 350 deal, I'm I'm so excited about it. I can't say enough about, um, you know, the support that our guys have gone out and given Star yeah. this year, Mike Bruce and Cameron Rowe and, and Dalton Doyle. There's a lot of good things going on with this division, both tracks working together. Um, JNS Paving has stepped up to become Star Speedway's 350 Super Modified really? Division sponsor for wow, next year. Wow, I wasn't aware so, of that. Yeah, so just outstanding to see everybody working together and uh, – you know, heading out this weekend again will be Mike Cameron and Dalton. Uh, rookie Nick Kenny is going out as well, and I, I think possibly Vern Lefebvre. Unfortunately, his truck broke down in Massachusetts on the way back from Stars Race last week. Oh so, gosh, um, he's kind of still dealing with that. But I know he really wants to be there, and uh, it's that's nice to see that we can already say we have a group of five Oswego drivers that are are heading out to this race. Yeah, that's that, it's really amazing. Even over the course of a year, how far that's come. Now, um, Vern was actually testing at Oswego recently too, right? That had to be uh, a great feeling for him to be able to get back there and run laps, and I'm sure it was great for everybody to to actually be able to see him on the track again. Yeah, uh, he's tested a few times, and it was <laughs> it was such a cool uh, deal to see him out there. And and uh, you know, I think that he was pleased with the car, but wants to find a little bit more out of it. I think they have some new car bugs, but um, what a beautiful piece he has! Very very capable. And yeah. um, you know, as we've said several times now, I I really want to see him in victory lane with oh. that thing. I, be one of the coolest moments in Absolutely. speedway history. Yeah. Um and speaking of uh speaking of speed in three fifties, uh Mike Bruce. Wow, what a lap he put down. Holy cow. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Uh he went out on the American Racers and I think ran seventeen one. Uh came back out on the Hoosiers and set the initial uh unofficial track rec- record lap at sixteen nine three one and then came out another session and got down to Sixteen eight three five, and it it was fast. Like it wasn't just a one-off lucky lap. Like he was sixteen eight consistent with that car, and boy, that that thing was turning. I was amazed at the corner speed and how quick he was able to get back to the throttle. It was neat to see. Well, you think about, uh, I think it was back in nineteen eighty nine. Bentley had the first unofficial sixteen second lap 
in time trials. Um, so that's, you know, what, 20, um, well, gosh, 30, 30 years ago um, already, 31 years ago, whatever. Uh, and, and now we've got the 350s running 16, 8, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because I feel like the faster we go, the less racing we get. Well, um, I, you know, I definitely feel like this division is going to get a little bit faster. I don't think that uh, 16.8 is going to be uh, ridiculous speed by any means next year. Honestly, I think the track record is going to get shattered again and you again. Um, you know, I think as long as we keep for that division the cost under control and, and the rules, the way they're supposed to be, how we have it, and I know that's really important to Johnny and it's really important to these teams that are really passionate yeah. about it. Um, I think we're going to be okay. Um, honestly, right now, I think it's just uh, guys getting more experience and hitting on their cars. We also have a different motor carb package this year, uh, some different tires. So okay. uh, we're going to see them get a lot faster. Interesting. Well, that was uh, yeah, that was quite a lap. Uh, okay, so uh, looking forward to the 350 uh, participation up in New England this weekend. And I know uh, that one of our uh, biggest supporters, Sean Cathcart, and his staff at Skip's Fish Fry have uh, decided to do something. They're always doing something cool, but uh, <laughs> they're doing something really cool this weekend up at Star. Um, they're actually going to have a clam bake, right? Talk about that. Yes. Yeah, they're having a clam bake that's going to benefit all of the traveling super modified and 350 super modified teams, and it's going to uh, be in the camping area, but if you want to call Sean Cathcart's number, we have the flyer on the ISMA Facebook page. You can give him a call, and they'll have any uh, uh, somebody deliver to anywhere uh, you want in the in the at the track, whether it's the pits or the tower or the grandstands, whatever you need, they'll they'll deliver it. And uh, it's twenty dollars for clams and scallops and and uh, potatoes, and all proceeds go back to the team. So um, as usual, Skip Swish Fry stepping it up and. Uh, really supporting our, our super modified and through 50 super modified teams. It is a really creative way to uh, do something different at the racetrack. And I think that's awesome. Uh, would you, uh, Cam, take that flyer and just post it on our inside groove social too. So everybody can yeah, find it there. Sure um, and uh, yeah. So if you're going to star and uh, you want to, uh, want to be in on that um, you'll have all the information to do that with uh, and and again thanks to uh, thanks to Sean and the staff for everything that they do for this show and uh, everything they do for super modified racing in the Oswego Speedway because uh, they have been just relentless in their support and really Rich Worth and JNS Paving who's also one of our sponsors as well uh, because gosh I mean Rich Rich basically now owns the 350 class right I mean he's yeah, I title sponsor so we're both star of Swigo, so um, that's uh, that's amazing, and uh, yeah, it just, is. that's great. Just uh, both groups of people, just great, great people, and um, really uh, a big part of the reason why this show keeps going. And uh, certainly, um, you know, you need uh, more and more people like that to keep a division like the Super Modifieds rolling as well. So looking forward to that. Okay, so now back to Fast Friday. We have no Fast Friday um, this evening, but I, I believe there is one scheduled for next Friday, which would be the 25th. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. We got one for next week. Okay. So uh, what, 3.30 to 7.30 again? Yeah, 3.30 to 7.30 again. This will probably be the last one. Um, I, I'm expecting that we'll have 
uh, enough cars to do it. I know they were hoping for five to six cars, so I think we'll get that and, and be able to run it next week. Okay, so uh, again, if you're listening to this show and you've got a car and you wanted you <laughs> want to go in Fast Friday, you better do it on the 25th because it may be your last shot um, for the season to do that. So uh, make plans and uh, let Camden know so we can promote you and do all that good stuff. Um, all right, well, uh, Camden, I know you've got uh, much on your schedule today to uh, clear off before you get ready to head to New England tomorrow. We look forward to your coverage um, and grabbing us some audio and such uh, from uh, the weekend and we're uh, we're excited about uh, the post show next week as well so we appreciate you taking some time in the middle of your day to chat with us and we'll uh, we'll wish you safe travels to and from and um, look forward to uh, what you can bring to us for next week yeah absolutely thank you uh, I'm looking forward to next week's show and I uh, just want to wish good luck to to all the super and 350 teams, especially our Oswego guys. It should be a really fun weekend. All right. Back to uh, wrap up this episode number 60 of Inside Groove right after this. A lot has changed from when Nola Osh started school until the time she finished. When I received my diploma, it was a big to-do. At 95 years young, Nola became the world's oldest college graduate. If we don't concentrate on our ages, we go ahead and do things as if we were younger. So no matter how old you are, live life and pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we uh, continue with episode number 60. We'll get to uh, the number 60 car and play uh, some trivia here. Um, not really trivia, but just uh, remembering that number in just a bit. But uh, first, before we uh, go any further, I want to take us backward because it's fun sometimes to go back. And we started these classic rewind segments uh, a few weeks ago, uh, and we are up to 1990. We're doing five-year increments. Uh, we started at the 40-year mark, which would have been 1975. With Gary Albritton's win, we then talked about Jimmy Champagne winning in 1980 and Eddie Bellinger's win in 1985. So we now arrive at the dawn of the 90s. And I think we need to kind of set this up by setting the stage of where we were at that point. When we talked in ni- about 1985, Bentley Warren was driving for Ed Bali. He was in year number two of his reunion with Ed Bali. They had purchased for the 1984 season the original Hevron LaProde car that Doug had won so many races with and championships, and Bentley had driven a bit in 1983 before switching to the newer car when Doug came off his Indy injury. Of course, uh, at the end of the 83 season, the Heveron sold out and went Grand National Racing, which is now Cup, for those of you who are not initiated, now the Cup Series. Um, and Ed Bowley purchased the original Heveron LaProde car and asked Bentley to come back and drive for him again. Bentley had driven for Bali a couple of times already. He drove for him in the 60s for a bit and then also drove for him a bit in the show car, number five, which was their backup 
1985. Um, he'd driven the show car in, I think, 1980 for them uh, a few times and actually won an ISMA race, which I think was a classic qualifier at uh, Star Speedway with um, that car. And now, in 1985... He uh, got back behind the wheel, and, and uh, or he had driven in 84 and then got back behind the wheel in 85 again, and that lasted until the end of the 1987 season. Now, in 87, we saw another little sort of transitory uh, situation develop. Doug Hevron came back to Oswego for the 1987 season behind the wheel of... Mike Mazur's 61 Junior car. This was this car was uh, the cars were called Snafu. Um, the initials. It's an acronym for Situation Normal, all fouled up there. See how I did that? Uh, <laughs> kept it a family show. You thought? No, I'm not going to do that. Um, and uh, you know, Doug had he won a couple of races and he was fast. But uh, they, as I recall, they had a lot of issues that year. They had a lot of breakdowns, just a lot of, uh, just, it, it didn't quite come together, I think, the way that they all hoped it would. But by the uh, the time we got close to Classic, and this, again, is still 87, Bentley in the Flying Five and Doug in the 61 Junior, uh, we came to the 10,000 to win race, and those two took off and proceeded to have one of the most incredible side-by-side, all-out, leave-nothing-on-the-track battles that I've ever seen at the Oswego Speedway. And they they took each other. They were just elevating each other's performance by... It was just... It's almost something you had to witness to really understand how incredible it was through traffic, whatever. And then finally somebody blew a motor, and they got in the oil going into turn three and never had a chance to hardly even lift off the gas, let alone hit the brakes. They just piled both cars into the wall. Um, And as Bentley tells it, they got out of the car and fell, basically laid down on the ground or more or less fell to the ground, both of them looking over at each other, just groaning in pain and laughing like crazy at the race they just had. Um, and it that sort of set the stage for the Classic at 87 when the two of them started up front and took off. And I think Bentley's plan that year, and I don't really know why, but I think the plan was to lap as many cars as possible, and then pit with the five. And, of course, Doug, uh, you know, Doug and Bentley took off, and again, there was this this battle that would have gone on. Um, but uh, Doug ended up in a crash fairly early. And so after that season, Bentley and the Bowies kind of went their separate ways, and Doug and Mazer went their separate ways because Doug was going to drive, and I don't know if this was known yet at the time, maybe it wasn't, but Doug ended up coming out in 1988 driving for Fred Graves uh, in their house car, which was a, a beautiful baby blue car at the time, and 
So guess who jumps in the 61 Junior? Bentley. So Bentley runs 88 and then 89. He's still with Mazer. And Bentley ends up in 1989 with the 61 Junior being the first car under the 17-second mark officially in time trials with a 16-9, and he wins the Classic. And so as we look at 1990, we've kind of had Bentley with two new chapters uh, since 85 because, of course, he um, ran for Bollies, and then a brand-new chapter started with Mazer, and he sets the track record in 89, comes out in 1990, and now we're at Classic Weekend in 1990, and we've got, a, we've got a lot of the same faces, but we've also got some new ones to talk about. So when you look at the Classic field in 1990, and again, I'm just going to go through the time trial list here. You've still got Eddie Bellinger, Steve Joya, Jamie Moore, Joe Gozik. Uh, you've still got uh, uh, Bentley, of course. you got Dick Batchelder. Gene Lee Gibson's been there for a couple of years now. Doug Didero in the 73 car. Um, and you've also got some names. Gary Albritton came back. But you've got some names like Mike Muldoon, who was quite competitive by then and would be more competitive as we got into the 90s. We'll talk a lot more about Mike in the 95 classic conversation. Um, But you've got a number of drivers. Kenny Williamson had been there a while. Danny Sewell was was coming on. Randy Ritzkis. I mean, so Jeff West. So there were some... We were seeing some new faces that were beginning to, you know, they'd run there a little bit of time, or maybe they just came in a year or two earlier and they were starting to really make their presence felt. But you still had a lot of the old veterans there. And it was still very much, you know, a Bentley Warren kind of situation. So with that, we talk about time trials. And it took until the second to the last qualifier to determine the poll. And it was Bentley Warren. Now, here's the irony. After Bentley had set a track record in 1989 with his 16.9 lap, 16.961, in 1990, the pole didn't meet the record. 17.050, and it was Bentley. Who would start outside pole that year? Eddie Bellinger, 17.122. Eddie was a great qualifier. Um, as was Bentley, and those two started on the front row. Starting third was Gary Morton, 17-144. Starting fourth was Gary Albright, and he was driving the Skip Matzik 3 in that classic. 17-150 was his time. And rounding out the top five qualifiers was Doug Didero with a 17-154. Let's see. Qualifying sixth was Mike Muldoon. Steve Joya qualified seventh. Qualifying eighth was Pat Abold, again, another of the drivers who was really making his presence felt. Qualifying ninth 
was Mike Ordway in the Graves house car number one. He had taken over that year after Doug Haveron had run two years for Graves. Ordway was now in the car. And uh, starting 10th was Joe Gozik in the double zero. And rounding out the time trial qualifiers were Gene Lee Gibson in 11th. Kenny Williamson in the Jim Rogers 5 started 12th. Danny Sewell 13th in the 32. Starting 14th would be Howie Lane in the 97. Starting 15th would be Jeff West in the 01. Starting 16th, Doug Saunier in the 22. Starting 17th was the very first time trialer of that day, Dave Schulich in the number 41, which I think Tony Lovati owned at that time still. And now, what again, four-tenths of a second slower than Bentley. It was a tight field through the, uh, the time trialers. Uh, Schulich started 17th. He figured prominently into this classic. Starting 18th. Randy Redskis in the 87, starting 19th was the, where are we here? <laughs> I don't see, oh, there it is, Kenny Bell, another one of those drivers who had uh, kind of come on um, very recently. P19 for Kenny in the 36, and starting 20th was Billy Sharkey in the 52. Then the final qualifiers, Bobby Fitzpatrick, 21st. Buddy Deal in the 57-22nd. 23rd was Joe Moriarty in the 51. 24th was Randy Wynn in the 91. 25th, Russ Wood in the 37. That was the Shea car. Uh, those were your top 25. I guess they took uh, 25 qualifiers that year out of time trials. And so we we talk about the race, and basically, again, at that time, too, Goodyear and Hoosier were both still very much a thing at Oswego. We had, we had the tire battle, um, and it was kind of up in the air as to, again, who was, you know, who was better, which brand was better. Um Bentley was on Hoosiers, of course. He and Doug Haveron pretty much brought the Hoosiers to Oswego. Um, Dave Schulich on uh, Goodyear's. Uh, Randy Wynn on Goodyear's. Dave McKnight won the B-Main, driving the Jack Car 06. Always loved that car. Um, and uh, he was on Hoosiers. So, I mean, it was, it was, I think there were a number of people on both um, tires. Um, and so... As the uh, as the classic started, uh, you had Bellinger, Albritton, and Muldoon kind of take off a little bit. Um, Bentley stayed in the hunt all day, but you know how Bentley was and and always was. Uh, he once he kind of came back in the seventies, he really became a very patient classic racer. Um, this would be his fifth classic win in this this particular race uh morton didero were up there um muldoon led a little bit uh and then gary albritton came on with the three and led for a while uh we had jeff west 
And Dick Batchelor, who, by the way, was in the Tim T. Trucking 77 that year, Westy spun and got tagged by uh, Batch, and then Bobby Fitzpatrick got involved. Um, nobody seriously injured. Batchelor shaking up, shaking up just a bit. Um, 50 laps in, Albert Muldoon, Warren Bellinger, Joya, and Morton. And here's what was interesting about this particular race. How many times have we known the Classic to be rained out and have to be postponed till Monday? Well, not this year. In 1990, the race started, and then the clouds came in. And so everybody kind of got nervous that maybe we were going to have, again, you know, you get past halfway if they call it it's a complete show. So Bentley decides to uh, hurry a little hurrier and... Uh, Took the lead on lap 64. Now, he never gave up the lead again. But what was interesting was that the guy that was coming all throughout the race, you just watched him just uh, move up, move up, move up. And he seemed to be taking his time a little bit. Well, it was Dave Schulich. Now, we had we did have a rain delay uh in this race i think um and uh yes we did and it happened after randy ritzkis had blown his engine spun in his own oil in turn one williamson and joya got into the wreck williamson hit the outer wall a ton um and there was a fire on the ritzkis car which was quickly put out by the safety crew. Um, And by the way, let me interrupt this rewind just to make the point again, because I love doing it as much as I can. There is no track safety crew in short track racing. None, zero, zip, nada, anywhere on this planet that is as good as the Oswego Speedway safety crew, period. Uh, Back to the rewind. So, while they were uh, killing the flames, it started to rain. Well, they parked all of the cars for a bit. It was a short shower, maybe half an hour. And um, racing resumes with 35 laps to go. And here's your running order at that point. Bentley Warren, Gary Albert, Eddie Bellinger, Dave Schulich, and Pat Abold. Now, there's five of the best drivers that have ever sat in a Super Modified, and they're sitting in the top five with 35 laps to go in the Classic with 1990, and they were the, in 1990, and they were the only cars on the lead lap. Five cars on the lead lap at that point. Well, Schulich takes off. He goes by Bellinger three laps later by Aubritton, um, and then he closes in on Bentley, and he gets to within about a car length, and that was it. Bentley ends up winning. Schulich finished in second. Um, and honestly, that was, I think, the second time. He did it in 1984 as well. He was driving for Skip Matzik that year and finished second to Bentley in the Classic. And um, I think it might have happened a third time a little later. But uh, Bentley, Schulich, Pat Abel, Joel Moriarty, and Randy Wynn, your top five, because uh, right at the end of the race, Albritton and Bellinger were racing for third. They got together and collected Danny Sewell. So uh, Gary Albritton finished sixth, Joya seventh, Sewell eighth, Jamie Moore ninth. He was in the Budnick 88 that year, I believe. And Eddie Bellinger Jr. finished tenth. 
And we had Doug Didero, Russ Wood, Mike Douglas out of New England, 13th, Eric Lewis, 14th in the 28th, Mike Ordway, 15th. Then Gene Lee Gibson, Randy Ritzkis, Kenny Williamson, Kenny Bell, and Mike Muldoon through P20. Dave Thomas in the 98 car, Joe Gozik, Dave McKnight, Dean Hogue, and Bill Sharkey through 25. Then Sonier, Deal, Gary Morton, West, and the 11 of Bobby Fitzpatrick. And rounding out your field, last four cars, Batchelder, Howie Lane, Tony Pafumi in the Capper car 24, I think. Um, and uh, Scotty Martell. Uh, the rookie of the race was Joe Moriarty, who ended up finishing fourth. And it was a that was a really entertaining classic. Uh, I mean, there wasn't a lot of drama for the lead because once Bentley got it, um, you know, he was able to hold on to it. But you know what? He he had he did have to work for it by holding off Schulich. And I think the um, the little rain shower toward the end gave us at least enough pause to wonder what was going on uh, and and how everybody's tires would uh, respond and such. So, uh, but what an all star group in, in the top five at that point that I read. Um, you know, it just goes to show you we in 1990 were still at a point where the competition was just so incredibly thick from week to week uh you know drivers like danny sewell that could win a feature on any given night uh you know westy abled i mean you just had it was it was incredible really uh that that was a great time at oswego speedway and by the time we get to 1995 we're going to be talking about a different rivalry which we'll do on next week's show, that um, ended up being the case for the 95 Classic. But uh, that's our <laughs> Classic Rewind for this week. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, again, it's just fun to go back and just uh, think about some of the drivers that you don't really recall very much uh, back in those days. And guys like Buddy Deal and, and drivers like that, Tony Pufumi, that just worked so hard to... Um, do the best they can and, and get to the front and, um, again, help make uh, the Oswego Speedway field every week what it was. Um, okay, so there is your classic rewind. Now, let's talk about the number 60 for a moment. This one for me was interesting because when I started thinking about the number 60, this is the strangest thing. Y'all are going to probably laugh at me. and And I laugh at me because I don't really know why this is the case, but when somebody says 60, the first thing I think about for some inexplicable reason, and I was not even going to the track yet. I was still too young when this took place, but Corky Stockham had bought a super and Kemp dates. And I don't remember if it was a classic or it was another big race. I don't remember. But Kemp actually drove the car at one point. He and Corky became great friends, and Corky became uh, one of his biggest sponsors for the end of his career. But um, I always think about Kempton Dates in the Corky Stockham car, and I have no idea even what that car looked like. Um, you know, or, and, and so no uh, vision of Kemp driving it, obviously, but I, it's just funny. Um, the 
that's the first thing when someone says 60, super modified to me, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I think, if I remember correctly, uh, and this is where Robert Metcalf and Larry Trinket and Silliman or whoever, um, when you get back into this period of the 60s, these guys obviously remember more than me, because um, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't even born until 67. I want to say Jack Linhout, because I think the 60 car was the, the the infamous 60 car of that time period was, I think it was uh, Carl Benke, Benke Trucking, I think. Um, sometimes I get my my sponsors um, mixed up from that period, um, the earlier period of Oswego, but I I think it was Carl Benke in the Benke, Benke Trucking car, and I think Jacqueline Hout might have been the driver. Um, again, feel free to... Uh, Correct me, but do it in the comments so uh, others can uh, can play uh, and and get the benefit of that and learn <laughs> learn something. But I think uh, that was the first one, and uh, then of course we had Kemp in the Stockham car. Um, I remember Larry Record had a sixty car in the seventies, and then I was trying like heck to remember. Um, we had Jerry Busky, and then after Jerry, I don't remember another 60 until uh, Brian Sobis hit the track, and uh, that was a tribute car that, to the Banky Trucking, it, I think it was painted identical, red and white, to the, to the Banky Trucking car. I'm almost positive of this. Um, couldn't even tell you exactly what year that was, but it was Brian's first, uh, actual race foray into super modified racing. Um, and boy, did he, he ever run well. That was really, uh, that was a, that was a fast car and, and Brian got the most out of it. In fact, uh, remember that he, in the classic, he was one of the fastest cars and then he ended up, um, a lapped car kind of cut him off and, and messed with his right front. It was the right front nose wing on the car, and the car just didn't handle right after that. But that car, Mike Murphy, I think was the owner of it, and that car was um, that car was nice. And I think that was the last number 60 that I remember competing at Oswego, if that was even, I'm almost positive that was the car number. So, again, some of you can straight me out on some of that, but um, I, it was interesting for me that the the first thing I think of is a 60 car that I never saw race and uh, a driver that obviously only drove it, I think, once or twice. Um, but uh, Kemp got in it, and, um, and, and that's, so, you know, 60 Kemp to dates is the first, uh, obviously looking at a program somewhere, <laughs> is the first... Uh, you know, vision that I have of the number 60 in a swigger that wasn't even of a car. So uh, it's an interesting number. You know, is we, there are certain numbers that you just, that, that have a huge history, and a lot of them are connected to longtime car owners. So you get your, you know, your Salve 04 and all their drivers, your Miller 16, your your Herm Graf C15, your, you know, those cars like that, uh, Ralph Wissing in the four. You know, some of those cars, those owners that, that had cars for, a long period of time. There are a lot of drivers. You can really have fun with it. 
But uh, then there are other numbers that just weren't used as much. Uh, and so the 60 is kind of one of those numbers. I think we had, you know, a handful. Um, and again, there may be some others that I'm not uh, familiar with. Uh, but uh, all you guys that are um, Cracker Jacks at this will um, probably have some fun finding one or two more. Um, and uh, I was trying to think about small blocks or limiteds. And I'm sure there probably was, and I'm just not uh, thinking of it, but uh, I cannot think of a 60 car in that division ever. So uh, y'all can have some fun with that. And that will bring this show to a close. I want to remind all of you that this is not the only show I do every week. I actually do five. Now, a couple of them have been on hiatus for the last couple of weeks, we haven't done a modified, uh, mainly modifieds podcast in the last uh, couple of weeks, and we haven't done uh, the Weed Lap show that I usually do on Monday nights. Has been on hiatus because uh, our producer for that show has uh, not been available, so we just kind of parked it for a couple of weeks. But uh, we're get, getting ready to to bring uh, those back. Um, but if you if you enjoy getting music online at a place like Spotify or uh, tune in or Apple, um, iTunes, I guess it's Apple, it's Apple podcasts that we're on, but it's all the same. Um, you know, or Google, uh, wherever you get your, your music from. Uh, and I know that we, we had applied to Amazon to be a part of their audible. And I have not, I need to go check that because I, I haven't seen anything that has told me that we, we made it in, though there's no reason we shouldn't have. Um, but they were going to add podcasts to Audible as well. So I'll check on that and try to let you guys know next week because I know a lot of people are into the, you know, listening to audio books now. And Audible is a great piece of software for that or, you know, great app that you can download. I have it. Um, I've been listening, actually, to uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s latest book on uh, Audible. And uh, it's great. It's a great way to digest books when you don't, have time to sit and read you can uh, listen to them um with the traveling around i do although that's been somewhat limited this year obviously by uh, covid uh but uh, it's great for trips because you can literally start a book when you leave your house and uh, i could listen to a book all the way from here to new york if it took that long uh, you know if the the actual book if the file was that long so you could you could digest uh, most of or all of a book on a longer car trip. So it's uh it's a great way and you never have to worry about losing signal or anything. It just uh um if you have a way to play your uh what's on your phone through your car radio like I do, it's a great way to to um you know just have that constant companion and, and really listen to a story. So we were supposed to be on there too or I, I know we'll get there eventually here. So I'll try to check and see. They hadn't um I don't know if they'd added the uh the podcast yet when I last looked. So at any rate, um race chaser radio three words race chaser radio on any of those podcast platforms and hit the follow button don't just uh, go to it and listen to the show hit the follow button because that way you'll always know when new shows are up there and if you if you like nascar and indycar and, and modifieds and all of that um and you you like listening to interesting stories. We do a lot of stories, a lot of drivers telling their stories. Um, you know, I try to find the hidden gems out there. And, of course, we always have been about uh, letting you know who the next big thing is. Um, and uh, so 
we have some awesome content, some great young radio hosts uh, that we're, you know, we're working on and working with and, and helping to kind of get started in the sport. Uh, so our syndicated show, Motorsports Madness, uh, airs live on Thursday nights and then is usually up on Fridays um, on our our uh, on-demand. So again, Race Chaser Radio, Spotify is our big one, but we're on most of the major ones. So uh, go hit the follow button and you can uh, listen to all of our shows. Always know when they're there and, um, you know, pick which ones you want to hear or whatever, but you won't have to worry about when something new is out because you'll know. Um, yeah, so that's uh, just the reminder on that. And we are going to do in October a uh, another uh, live Inside Groove, and I am also going to have, uh, it's almost done, I'm I'm going to have the uh, audio posted on our on-demand sometime hopefully over the weekend. And um, so you'll be able to hear the last one. If you didn't, uh, you know, if you know somebody doesn't have Facebook or whatever, you didn't get to catch it live, you'll be able to hear the audio. If you've, if you've got Facebook, you can just go to our Inside Groove Facebook page, Inside Groove Podcast, and it is still there. Feel free to uh, listen to it and share. So um, very, very uh, excited about uh, how things are shaping up here. We're looking forward to a fun off season. Uh, interesting stuff planned. I'm working on some neat stuff to add to my brand for next year. We are going to have merchandise. Uh, I wanted to have shirts last year, just never, honestly, I just never had the time to get the project done and do it the way I wanted to do it. Um, we're well on our way right now. We're, I'm not going to say they're going to be out before the end of the year, but uh, it, it could be very possible. I'd like to have the uh, the site up before the holidays to for you to go shop because um, we're we're working on some cool designs. We're not just going to do logo shirts. We're going we're gonna to have some fun with it. So I, I wanted to not just be the guy that, hey, buy an Inside Groove t-shirt. I wanted to do something fun with our merchandise lines. We're going to have, we'll probably do logo shirts just for those who just want those. But, um, but we're going to have a number of uh, fun designs available too. So working on that, that'll be, uh, I'm calling it a 21 project. But if we can get it done before the holidays, we will. Um, and that's just uh, one thing that I'm working on for next year. So should be a lot of fun. I'm excited about where we're going here. And, you know, it's uh, just taken me a while to get used to all this technology stuff. Um, it's one thing to kind of know how to do it. It's another thing to understand um, kind of the full what can a, a, a an online merchandise site do. Um, you know, how do you, you know, what makes sense for designs you know the marketing of all of that and then everything everything else it's um it it's kind of fun and it's basically i'm a one man band so uh you know i have to just balance time a little bit um anyways uh we'll call that a day uh just there enjoy the star classic everybody we're going to get this show out uh uh early enough on tonight friday night that hopefully you can all listen to it get the preview of star and then uh, or listen to it on your way up there in the morning if you're going so um, hope everybody is safe and successful at Star Speedway. Wish all the drivers and teams the best. Um, and again, thank you to Skip's Fish Fry, JNS Paving, and uh, of course our title sponsor, Jeff West, and his group at Hindi Performance Composites. Have an amazing weekend, everybody. And we'll be back for episode 61 of the Inside Groove podcast next week. Until then, for Camden Proud, I'm Tom Baker.
So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.